This is the Clonmel Podcast with Mark Whelan. Hello, it's Mark here and welcome to the Clonmel Podcast episode 88 for this Friday, the 3rd of June. Brought to you by Clonmel Credit Union. We are proud to be local and support local. Our big loan sale continues, so apply today on 1800 945 987. Not a member yet? Join online at www.clonmelcu.com. Hashtag, it's my credit union. Is it yours? So how was your week? Hope it went well. Bannerclue Mellor received the mayor reception at the town hall this week to celebrate their golden jubilee. Great achievement. Clonmel Celtic won the Division 1 Shield beating Peak Villa. Yes! And the carpets and timber flooring have now moved to their brand new home at Nelson Street, just by the courthouse. Well worth checking out, it looks amazing. The price of petrol hit two euros plus a litre in town this week. Boo! Seamus O'Doherty from Hillview Sports Club picked up his National Community Hero Award this week. No doubt it's on his mantelpiece as we speak. And I bet he's still looking at it. I know I would be if I won. Well done, Seamus. And we found out this week that the Junction Festival will take place from the 1st to the 10th of July with literature, film, circus, dance, music, so much more going on. And we can't wait to hear more about that on the podcast in the coming weeks. So what is coming up this week on the Clonmel Podcast? I chat to Dee McGrath from Tipperary's Fight for Mental Health. Aideen Wilde takes me inside and I was just so taken aback by this. The old Super Quinn supermarket building I was in there yesterday to record a piece about their brand new show, Everything Must Go. I also chatted to Marie McMahon from the Tipperary Museum of Hidden History, plus news on a high school reunion, a kids repair by cafe, and so much more, all coming up. The Clonmel Podcast. But first, yes, I went inside the old Super Quinn building and had a chat with Aideen Wilde about the upcoming show, Everything Must Go. Oh yeah. I'd like to apologise in advance for the car alarm that goes off during this interview. It was quite annoying. Well, I can't believe where I am right now. Let me explain to you. Back in 1994 in Clonmel, a supermarket opened called Superquin. I am now in that building and I'm talking to Aideen Wilde, writer of Everything Must Go, which will be, am I right, Aideen, here yes. in the old Super Queen building? Yes, here in the former Super Queen and then Super Value uh, supermarket at Marketplace in Clonmel. And I suppose it's really kind of amazing that we are in this building oh after so much time. Oh. And it is an incredible building. Um, Europe's first circular supermarket. So what? why wouldn't we want yeah. to make a play in a supermarket amphitheatre? You, know? you gave me the tour. Yeah. It was surreal being back in here because the shelves are still here, the prices on some of the shelves are still there. There's an old newspaper up there saying 2016 in the canteen when the, the actual supermarket closed when it was super value. It's just, it's, I can't explain what it's like walking in and you gave me the tour around here. 
Yeah, it's it's remarkably intact. Um, we, I think, expected when we finally got the keys and we were hoping and hoping for a long time that we would. And when we finally got the keys, um, we were amazed that it still looked like a supermarket because we did think we'd walk into just kind of a, a kind of an arena space with nothing shell. in it. Yeah, mm. shell. And actually, it's this stripped back skeleton. I mean, it really does look like the exoskeleton of the mm. building, mm. like, you know, mm. with all the shelving and it's all white and it's kind of an amazing blank canvas for us to work on now it needed a heavy duty cleaning um, before it was truly a blank canvas but yeah the 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 tills are still there i know it's so weird you know the only thing that's gone is the butcher's counter you know, I feel like I should bring out my old Superqueen card and try and get some points around the place. <laughs> well, I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I would avoid the rotisserie chicken at this point, personally. But no, there are some of those fridges dotted around other places. Actually, there's remarkable artifacts around this building as well. And uh, another thing we discovered was kind of notes around the place, like "Don't open this fridge without telling so and so and so and so." And you must, you know, so. Um, you know, once you get past the initial kind of surprise and you spend time here, actually, the building starts to talk to you. Mm. And then what was amazing was when uh, former workers came to visit us. And of course, they were able to tell us all the stuff that the building wasn't telling us then, you know, and that was kind of amazing. And um, yeah, we'd still love to hear from anybody who wants to to drop by and say, hello, we're here now all the time. And, and that's kind of what this kind of work is about because it's community participation theatre. And so um, the cast is made up of what we call citizen performers and professional actors and others who have experience and no experience and all kinds of things. Tell us about the show. So the show... Everything is, Must Go. Everything Must Go is... Um, how would I describe it? Have you seen the, the TV show Stranger Things, Mark? Yes, indeed. Love it. Yeah, well, it's like a little bit like Stranger Things in a supermarket. <laughs> so um, without giving too much away, um, I would say that uh, the premise of the show is that the audience will be invited to uh, participate or witness the first... Um, or. I hope no one's nicking my car there, just an alarm going off. Anyway, we'll carry the, on. The audience will be invited to the sort of uh, pre-sale uh, before the public auction of Marketplace Supermarket. And of course it's all fiction, but um, some very unusual things will happen throughout the course of the evening. And um, we think, we hope that uh, as well as being kind of a fascinating and kind of a once-off experience for audiences, um, it will also be a little bit of a witty take on derelict spaces in Ireland. You know that kind of uh, problem we have at the moment? Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah. Quite a few here in town. Lots, mm. uh, sadly. Um, but, you know, there's amazing potential, even if you look at what we're doing. We're bringing... 50 odd people to work on this show in this space. And yeah, we've got to explain that the actual show is taking place here in the old supermarket building. Yes, it is. I, don't, I, can't, I can't give too much away because that's what the, uh, the old ticket booking is for. But um, yes, we will, we will be taking audiences around this building, including to parts of it that they will never have seen as a customer. So. Yes. That's a great thing. Not only come to see a great show, you also get to relive your days in the old Super Quinn or Super Value building. I know, and it's amazing because absolutely everybody, even to our young cast members who only vaguely remember it as later on the Super Value, um, they, everybody who comes in 
kind of goes, and you did it as well when you came mm. in, you kind of went, oh, mm. oh, I remember this, and the smell of the bread comes back oh to you. Oh my God, the bread smell, the yeah. The broccoli and peanut yeah, salad yeah. and everything. And um, so it, it, it really does evoke a time and place for people and that's different for everybody who comes in but the other wonderful thing kind of to hear from former workers who that we wouldn't have known was how much they loved working here and how much of a community it was here and how well they were treated and how well they were treated by Fergal Quinn and how revolutionary his whole philosophy of kind of retail was you know mm -hmm. so that was all really really interesting when is the show on okay the show, I'm going to pull up the dates here, Mark, because you, you put me on the spot here now. Uh, I should know this, shouldn't I? I'm just the writer. It's all right. I don't, I'm not supposed to know these things. I just turn up. Um, the show is uh, on, on uh, as part of Clonmel Junction Festival, yeah. is on, on the 1st, 2nd and 3rd of July, and then the 7th, 8th and 9th of July. And we do have matinees. It will be a, a family-friendly show. Um, I would say to audiences, you know, it's a big size you will be walking around and moving around so wear your comfy shoes um, but we really um, we really are thrilled to be here kind of saying something with the people of Clamel and about Clamel um, and about kind of other unusual supernatural things too very so, exciting yeah. can't wait so we're we're in it now we had our first rehearsal uh, rehearsal last night how'd that go uh went really well it was really exciting it's it's always you always shift gear when people mm, start mm. to come on board you know um but what i will say is that we are still recruiting we still want to include as many people as possible and you don't have to have any experience and you can be any age from 16 up and we want you and if your only skill is knitting at speed we'll take it and um, we'll find a part for you in this uh, show because that's what this kind of work is about so if you would like to still get involved um, the email address you can email is everythingmustgoclonmel at gmail.com if you don't have email come visit us there's somebody here every day give a knock on the window and someone will open it or um, check out uh, the Junction Festival website and there'll be more information there and, and obviously tickets are on sale there as well so we would love to have um, late commerce <laughs> late vocations late vocations yeah, yeah yeah definitely I think yeah. just to be in here I know you know, know. you can say you know I remember performing in the old building here the old I mean, super I've, green building I mean building. look I'm, I'm 20 years into showbiz and I've never performed in a supermarket so mm. I mean I probably have but I didn't mean to be at the time <laughs> Well, it's a different kind of show, isn't it? It's not like, you know, where it's static, there's a stage here and someone is literally just performing and you're sta sitting there watching. As you said yourself, you'll be walking around the The store. audience will be moving around. It's what we call, you know, kind of immersive. So you will be quite in close to mm. all of the action at all the times. And it's all happening. I, I was saying to you earlier, we identified... Uh, when we first evaluated the site, kind of, we, we, we identified 30 possible performance spaces. Now, we won't quite have the actors for 30 spaces, but we're, we're, we're not far off it, you know. So, um, so, yes, we'll take people up until, I think it's the 10th of June, we can take cast. So, okay. please, or musicians or whatever. Well, we look forward to coming to see the show. Aideen Wilde, thank you very much for giving me the tour and also speaking to me on the podcast this week. No problem. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Aideen. And trust me, this is going to be such an amazing show. Book your tickets. Now, the Tipperary Museum of Hidden History are looking for your feedback. 
And I caught up with Marie McMahon to find out more. The Clonmel Podcast. Hi, how you doing, Mark? Um, yes, we are currently running a survey about the museum. Uh, we're developing our strategic management plan for 2022 to 26. And we really want uh, our local community to feed into it, uh, to give us ideas of what we could potentially do for exhibitions, what they'd like to see on display, and generally some comments if uh, you know about the museum, if you don't, or if you just heard about it from Mark's podcast here now. Um, you can go to uh, the museum's website, which is www.hiddenhistory.ie, or you can go to our Facebook pages, uh, Tipperary Museum of Hidden History, and you can click on, in on the survey, and it'll take probably five minutes. Um, the questions aren't majorly taxing, but we really would like uh, the community's input uh, so that we can um, go out more to the community and involve the community more in our programming. Have you got anything coming up at the museum over the summer months? Yes, Mark, we have a workshop during the summer and it's based around archaeology, different kind of fun uh, art uh, and craft workshops. And we also will be um, running from Tuesday to Friday from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Really, really good value, 50 euros for the entire week. And um, so you can book online or you can contact the museum by emailing museum at tipperarycoco.ie, all lowercase, and visit our Facebook pages or our website at www.hiddenhistory.ie. In the meantime, though, you know, when the summer holiday is coming out for the kids, bring them to the museum. Bring them into the museum. It's free. We, um, also, if you've got family at home, bring them here. You know, we love that people co um, are coming from abroad uh, to come home and visit anytime up to Christmas or any time in the year. People are hugely nostalgic when they come in. They can't believe the, you know, the material that's in their living history that they see that's actually on display. And it's, uh, as you know, Mark, it's a wonderful museum and uh, we have great things uh, going forward after um, next af after this year. And also we're developing our Civil War exhibition at present. So we're hoping to launch that in uh, September. All right, Marie McMahon, thank you very much. Cheers, thanks, Mark. Thank you, Marie. The Clonmel CBS High School having a 50th anniversary reunion. That's the class of 1972. It's on at Eldon's Bar at 8pm on Friday, the 1st of July. Um, come on, that's something you really want to do. Pop along and go and see your old school friends. The Killalone Cemetery Committee are having their annual tidy up at the graveyard on the 4th of June. That's tomorrow from 10am to 12 noon. All are welcome to pop along and give a hand there. Lovely old cemetery down there too, isn't it? A fundraiser for Ashley Kennedy will take place this coming Sunday at Lonigan's Bar. There's so much going on, including live music and a raffle, with such prizes as two nights B&B at any of the Flynn Hotels, afternoon tea for two at the Talbot Hotel, bar lunch for two at the Cliff House Hotel. Also, you can drop your baked good donations to Lonigan's there. Plus, a walk for Ashley will take place on the Blue Way this coming Sunday, the 5th of June, at 10 a.m. The Clonmel Remembrance Walk Meeting will take place on the 24th of June at a venue to be announced very soon. This will be open to anyone who's interested in helping out at this event. Get more information by emailing Thomas on crwclonmel at gmail.com. That's crwclonmel at gmail.com. A kids repair bike cafe is coming to the Shore Island Car Park at the Old Bridge on Saturday the 11th of June from 12 to 4 p.m. Lots of kids' activities, including a slow bike challenge, love those, and a clown unicycle show. 
Sonic Fitness have a princess summer camp coming to the On Your Toe studio on the 11th and 12th of August from 9.30am to 12.30pm for ages 3 to 6 years. Price is €40. Euros. Get more details on their social media pages. In crime news, Gardia looking for your help after a few incidents occurred in the Silver Springs area of the town. Last Friday, the 27th of May, a number of cars and sheds were broken into at Glenalimi Drive. Graffiti was also sprayed on a wall of a house and a man was also seen leaving the scene at around 2am. Any info, please, to the Clonmel Guardi on 052617640. The Guardi and Care are looking for your help on any information regarding a single vehicle accident. This happened on the bypass in Clonmel involving a black Toyota. You can contact the Guardi with any info at all to 052 7445630. Clonmel Pride are having a four week walking program. Starts on Thursday, the 9th of June at 7 pm at the Talbot Hotel Poppy Fields. Price is five euros plus booking fee through Eventbrite. Get more on their Facebook page. Our friends at Worldwide Cycles in Anglesey Street would like us to pass on their opening hours for June. Now they're closed on Sunday and Monday, but are open Tuesday to Saturday from 9.30am to 5pm, and they'll be closed for annual leave from the 15th to the 25th of June. At the Showground Shopping Centre this week, a spend and save promotion is now on at Macaulay Pharmacy. Receive a €5 voucher for every €30 spent. Get more details in store. You can pick up a summer beauty bag worth €215 for only €30 at M&S when you spend €35 or more across clothing, home or beauty in store, or online, and check out their amazing new summer sharing family dining menu available at MS right now. Five delicious sharing dishes for just 20 euros. That sounds good, doesn't it? And the highly recommended new solo album from Liam Gallagher has landed at Golden Disc on CD vinyl, red vinyl, what's red vinyl, and picture disc with his December 2020 live concert also available on CD or vinyl. I think I had a picture disc many years ago. Paul and Oates, I think. I know. But they look really cool, didn't they? The Alison Cronin Dance Academy presents Sundance 2022 for kids aged 5 to 13 years where they can learn new dance styles. It's on from the 18th to the 22nd of July. Price is €65. Euros. And get more information by calling Jess on this number, 086 109 5062. That's 086 109 5062. Bingo continues this Monday, Bank Holiday Monday, 3rd of June at Hillview Sports Club. Jackpot is a thousand euros. Prize money stands at two grand. All kicks off at 8 pm with tea and coffee at half time. And because it is a bank holiday, there'll be a hamper and a raffle to be won on the night. Nice one. The Clummel Podcast Job Spot. Now, jobs this week. Larry O'Keefe Furniture are looking for full time and part time sales assistants to join their team. You can send your CV to Brendan at LarryO'Keefe.com and closing date is Monday, the 6th of June. That's this Monday, right? Yeah, of course it is. Annie's Hair Salon in Queen Street are looking for a trainee improver to work in the salon. Three days a week with a view to work full time. You can contact Annie on this number 085. 085- 757-8777. That's 085 m and at the Showground Shopping Centre are looking for sales advisors. More on jobalert.ie. 
Raheen House are looking for a full-time kitchen porter and a full-time night porter. Training will be given if necessary. For more details, contact Mark on 05261 22140 or info at raheenhouse.ie. McCarthy's in Feathered are looking for staff for the kitchen and for a one-off bar event. Contact McCarthy'sFeathered.ie or go through their social media sites. And finally, Tip FM are looking for promotional staff to join their street crew. You can apply by emailing info at tipfm.com. If you'd like to advertise a job on the Clonmel podcast, you can email theclonmelpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, time for this week's interview, and I called up with Dee McGrath from Tipperary's Fight for Mental Health. The Clonmel Podcast. I've come to the old St Mary's graveyard here, and I'm joined by Dee McGrath from Tipperary's Fight for Mental Health. Dee, before we get into that, why have you brought me here to a graveyard? Uh, th- thanks, Mark. Um, yeah, well, it's always interesting, you know. I always think that uh, graveyards and mm. are, are quite interesting because of the stories they're hold, and especially old St Mary's right in the centre of the town but if you look around as you can see around us here you're seeing some parts of the original town walls some of the old crypts i think this is a very good illustration of what's left of old Clonmel as it was a fortified town um in yesteryears i think it's a really important part of our history that maybe we don't actually pay enough attention to but just look at the building look at old saint mary's look how beautiful it is look Gorgeous, at the stone. It? it's absolutely fantastic you know in terms of just architectural terms never mind the cultural significance of it it's absolutely fantastic here and we're looking we're at the back we're looking down into Anne street which is an amazing street isn't it absolutely um, and and as we were talking about just before we came on there's a very british look to the actual mm. street and i suppose the street would very much resemble an old um kind of more english or british town house obviously in terms of our colonial area there's a lot of these houses that would have been built by very eminent british architects and these particular buildings i think it's one of the it's it's quite strange in many respects but even to the lamps that are outside each one of the doorways to the knockers that are on the door to the ornate features around the um around the 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 doorways themselves and the four and the four stories and the basement features i think it's a very interesting part of old clanmel as you would call it you know you told me a story off air that has a connection with england and that was about your was it your grandfather from feathered yeah my my granddad was uh he was from feathered um he was uh phil Phil mcgrath was his name but he was a very adventurous chap but as we were talking about obviously we both have connect connections to london Mm -hmm. my dad being born Mm. in london um but um he my my granddad would have gone at a very young age i think he was about 12 and he decided he was going to make his way to england from feathered back in back in the day now on his own on his own this would be around i i think around the maybe around the 40s mark but he got a cattle boat he always remembers i always remember the stories he used to tell about getting onto the cattle boat and i believe it was in waterford don't ask me he begged borrowed and steel Mm. to get on to get on these boats to get over to see who's his dad who was already in london but he was very much like you had to go over by yourself so he uh he got onto the cattle boat and i remember him telling me how the cat how, how vividly how it smelled you know uh, some of the stuff that uh, some of the stuff that the cows were excreting that wasn't course, so pleasant yeah. shall we say but uh, they landed and again by hook or by crook I'm not quite sure how he managed to get a train but he got a train and met his uh, and met his father in London um, but one of his first jobs I think he had, t- he had two jobs and I can't remember which one came first one of them he told me was as a rat catcher so an old school rat wow. catcher with a club 
So he used to go around and basically be paid a few quid because obviously he was small and he was able to go go around these different buildings and try and catch rats that infested the buildings. And the other one was to uh, help out the chimney sweeps because he was so small he could get up if there was anything that needed to be dislodged or anything like that. So he told me a, n- a number of stories about that those particular times. And when you just put it in kind of context of, you know, how remarkable that story is. And he was a very ordinary man. Do you know what I mean? He worked very hard and all the rest of it, but such an incredible story. And it's really a regret that you couldn't write it down. And it's all like it's in my head, but that's how it lives on. And I would hope that I'd be able, if, if I have my own kids or whatever, I'd be able to tell them the same stories and that I'd be able to keep some of that alive. You know what I mean? And of course, London was overrun by rats back in those days, 100%. wasn't it? It, w- it was absolutely. And of course, like the Irish, uh, very much as we're seeing, like in terms of people, like we were the immigrants at that particular time we were going over with there was no such thing as qualification but we wanted to make a better life for ourselves and our families and so many settled around Kilburn around Highbury in North London especially and it was a melting pot of culture in that day but the integration and the community that they built and we were only talking you like you could go to Kilburn and back to London and I certainly when I go back there I'm like wow this 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 feels there's a strange feeling of somewhere I knew even mm. though I couldn't mm. have possibly have you know but uh, mm. it, it it's so interesting and the sense of Irishness especially that my father has um being born in London um he's just like it, it was so Irish and look we were talking to yourself mm. like the accent it's about mm. being Irish feeling Irish knowing yep. you're Irish I class you know? myself as being Irish this is where my roots are I might yep. have been born and, and you know went to school in, in London but yep. I hold an Irish passport and yep. Clonmel is, is my home yeah, 100%, 100% and I think it's very much like in terms of the Irish diaspora and what's is that just because that you speak a little bit different mm. or maybe if you have a different colour skin or if, like whatever it might be mm. that you're no less Irish than the rest mm. of us like mm. like it's if it's in you it's in you and thank God we have a beautiful vibrant culture and it's becoming more diverse by the day so it's fantastic so tell us about Tipperary's fight for mental health Dean certainly um, we suppose initially um, many people in Clamel and across South Tipperary would be aware of the St Michael's unit Mm. Um, so an incredibly um, destructive decision was taken by the HSE management without any consultation with professionals healthcare professionals working in the community or or any of the staff actually working in the acute unit to downgrade and stripped the services from St. Michael's and central, and central them to Kilkenny. So St. Michael's was an acute psychiatric unit. There's a fluctuation in terms of beds, but in and around, you're talking around 46 to 49 beds, I think, at the height of it. So basically, it was a place that if someone was suicidal and they felt that they were risk to themselves or others, that they could go and receive acute treatment in a in a very sterilised setting and then be reintegrated back into the community setting. Now, it was particularly, I suppose, important for the town because if you went to A&E in those days, um, in, we'd say, 2009-2010, and an assessment was made at that point that you were in psychiatric distress, i.e. your mental health, you were on the floor in terms of that, you were sent across to St Michael's for an assessment and you were admitted and, that, and then you were treated for a period in St Michael's and then obviously in terms of where you were from it was quite easy for your for your family if you're from the town or whatever to call up you know like there are several people that would have you know spent time in St Michael's at various different difficult moments in their lives Mm. but it really was um it really was a, a great service that we had in the town now it wasn't a perfect service of course there were issues with it was a you know the building was a bit archaic and there was you know there were certain issues highlighted by different inspections but the fact was it was there um, I suppose for us it's about suicide prevention and we think the greatest form of suicide prevention um, is acute beds in the community from which per- people are living because for that to be in the community if you're trying to transition them back 
you know, there's a greater continuum of service. So of the consultants are working in Tipperary, South Tip General, they're working in the outreach service. It's all on the one campus. And it and in terms of like people being in, in and out, like it's an easier recommendation. Unfortunately, that particular unit, the acute unit was closed. That was heavily challenged. And it was at a time where we fought, faced vicious austerity in, um, in Ireland, it was pre the banking crisis, pre the bank or post the bank guarantee, and unfortunately, the decisions were made by the health service executive and the government to downgrade a lot of these, a lot of these more rural or smaller um, units, and it was centralised to Kilkenny. So currently, as it stands, and we're here in 2022, 10 years later, that if I presented, if I was in acute psychiatric distress today, and I felt like I could be a risk to myself, and I went to get medical treatment which is medical a medical issue same as if you have a heart if you have a problem with your heart you'll go to A&E if you have a problem with your head and you feel down you should mm. go to A&E um, I would be assessed in A&E mm. and we would be waiting for me to be transferred to Kilkenny if it was deemed so far appropriate unfortunately you know when some when people go up to A&E and they're triaged and they go through there's no separate waiting area which right. is something we've campaigned for because we while we are aware that we don't want to stigmatise people, if you're in acute psychiatric distress, I've been in A&E, I'm sure a lot of your listeners yeah. have, it's not necessarily the healthiest place to be, no, as, you know, in terms of, because there's various different injuries, you know, there's kids with broken bones, there could be people with, that were, had consumed a lot of alcohol in a night out yeah. and had gotten into a scrap. We've all been there. You know, mm. 100%. Yeah. And if you're there and you're in acute, and this is the lowest point of your life, and you are sitting in the middle of this, you feel an intense lack of dignity. And on top of that, you're waiting for a psychiatrist or a nurse to come on. And then if it's, if it's deemed appropriate, you are then transferred an hour up the road to St. Luke's Acute Unit in Kilkenny. And apart from that, we know we've all been waiting for hours in A&E to get seen in the first place. Certainly. And, and unfortunately, sometimes what happens is because of that, and it's absolutely no fault to the staff. The staff mm. in that hospital are some of the hardest working oh, and committed amazing. professionals yeah. that we could ever hope for. But the constant, there was a, the, in terms of resourcing, we have been cut and cut and people have retired and they haven't been replaced. And it's very, and there's a huge problem with retaining qualified staff and with them hemorrhaging out of the service as a result basically what we're saying is for those types of situations we would like to see a situation where the consultant said it was wrong in the hospital at the time the GP said it was wrong politicians said it was wrong the only people who thought this was a good idea or a cost saving measure was the HSE management who brought down the axe on such a beloved service and what we're saying is, as we are recovering, they should never have taken the services away. And we want to see a position where there's working groups and a chat about these services coming back, as was committed to, to by the previous Minister for Mental Health, that Tipperary has a special case in relation to acute service provision because of the manner in which St. Michael's was closed. OK, and can you see a solution? Can you see it happening? I I am absolutely... Currently, with the present... There, I, I don't think that there is the cohesive political will. I think people are very willing to make statements that might get a bit of traction. But in terms of coming together and working together, unfortunately, I haven't seen that with our mm. campaign. We have some amazing people. We have had some amazing, amazing politicians that have given us incredible support. But as a cohesive unit, 
I don't feel like we've gotten that level of buy-in from everyone around the table to pressure the Department of Health, to pressure the HSE and to pressure the current government in relation to looking at a focus group and a working group to, to lay out the platform, to lay out the steps as to what would, how long it will take to get acute psychiatric beds back to South Tipperary. What about reopening St Michael's? Is that a possibility? Uh, St Michael's is, is an interesting... We were told at the, at an initial stage when we asked about reopening that it absolutely wasn't fit for mm. patient habitation. This was 2019, 2020. There was a significant spend for a COVID overflow during the initial lockdown. And then there was a, another spend which specced it up, which would basically in the old St Michael's building, there are now around 30 beds to help and support the HSE in addressing the trolley crisis at South General Hospital. While we absolutely welcome these beds, these 30 beds, I've been up there and I've seen elderly people on trolleys, I've seen young yeah. kids on trolleys, yeah. I've been on a trolley myself. Mm. It's, it's a certainly not a pleasant thing and no. the poor staff, you know, are trying to give you as much dignity as they can but they find it very difficult and of course in those circumstances, like, it is very difficult. But unfortunately, we have a situation where we were told that it wasn't fit for purpose and then we saw when the management had the will to do it, when the budget was provided, when politicians had the will and collectivity to get behind the project, it was delivered. And I think the same such an effort could be made in relation to psychiatric beds. And I do despair sometimes of how politics works in this country um, on the basis that when there's decisions such as these being made, that some politicians are not as vocal as they perhaps should be. And what we want is everyone to work together for the service provision for the area, for some of the most vulnerable and at-need people in our society. What can what can the public do to help? In, in terms of um, the public, the public have been incredible. Mm. Like, the stories that we've heard are incredible, and there's very dignified families. But the rates of suicide, and I, look, I, as I'm speaking, there's people in this town, there's people in towns around us mourning someone a death of a loved one by suicide and now we're not saying that having an acute unit would solve that problem not necessarily at all what we're saying is it gives people if there's a chink of light a small chink of light that an acute unit can provide that is the best form of suicide prevention and I think that we need to do everything we possibly can do to pressure our local politicians to pressure the HSE to get active and ask mental health We've heard so much about mental health. It's gone from a stage where no one talked about their mental health to now we have a lot more openness around mental health. But yet we need the resources to treat it. Talking about it, getting it out there, certainly. But you need the statutory services there to support people. And you need people that will absolutely buy into the plan and get active in looking to reinstate our acute psychiatric services. Now we've just had, you know, we're still in it, but we've had two years of COVID which has also affected people's mental health. Mm. And now we've got inflation on our doorsteps, mm. haven't we, as well? Yeah, and, and I think from... And it's not to be too... Um, I don't want to be too negative about this, because we have an incredible population, we have an incredible town, we have an incredible amount of people, but an awful lot of people are suffering. Um, COVID was made us an awful lot think about all our mental health. I think there's people that never had an issue, and when the isolation of that initial for the first lockdown came in, I think people felt 
Lord, I really feel on my own. I'm worried about what's mm. going to happen. Will I get COVID? Will I bring it on to someone else? But we couldn't see anyone either. No, 100%. And it frightened the life out of the older yeah. folk. Yeah, 100%. And it was older people. It mm. was children. Like, children were severely anxious, but older people were... Mm. Co- that terrible cocooning phase. Mm. Mm. No old, where it was like older people were just deprived from socialisation. And, of course, at the time, we were fighting a pandemic. And, like, the measures that were taken... Look... I, I do believe that they saved lives but that's not to say it was easy and there wasn't unintensive consequences about it at the moment we have a cost of living crisis and since coming out of COVID they, the World Health Organization would have talked about a tsunami of mental health issues coming out of COVID because of the isolation and what people went through at the moment I'm see, we're seeing a tsunami of stuff from the cost of living crisis people mm. trying to keep the food on the table keep the cost, warm, keep warm mm. in terms of fuel and um, people literally like there was one particular lady that I was talking to who instead of buying a bag of coal is putting on an extra jacket yeah. do you know what I mean yeah. because it's like oh well, I'll try and make it last to my next payday um, in terms of just your electricity bills like your Rents, cost of diesel mortgages, your yeah. cost of rent that we if, if there's a, there's people out there now in terms of trying to get accommodation trying to move out from home they're all living in cramped accommodation because there isn't anywhere to rent that's available and all of this stuff is putting pressure on people's own mental well-being and we have to look at mental health and people's mental well-being as a holistic approach Mm. in terms of looking at everything in terms of where they live the right to the, the right to be housed the right to not to worry will i make rent this month the right not to worry about where i'm where i'm going to live next next week if i'm in emergency accommodation to know that i'm going to put food on the table to know that i'll be supported if i fall beyond a certain point a caring society a different way of doing healthcare a different way of a different t- type of accessibility that it's open and accessible to everybody as opposed to feeling like you're a small bit cut off from it but there's massive conversations that are having and while we're at a very very tough time we are an a- we are an absolutely incredible resilient people and I have eternal hope for action and when people get active about these types of issues in their communities that they can affect positive change in the world. If people want to get in contact with you, Dean, can they? Well, they can get in contact with ourselves or mm. in terms of Tipperary's Fight for Mental yep. Health. We have an open Facebook page if anyone wants to send us a message or whatever. Um, like, really, it, it, we have absolutely no problem if people have any queries or want to talk or would have any suggestions as to how our campaign could be more, um, I suppose, more effective and reach many people. We've done a sticker drop campaign in the town um, about last year. So many businesses took our stickers, took and took and, and I remember that, yes, and, and I it do. Re- and it reads, yeah. the state of our county and the state of our country is only as good as the state of our mental health, and isn't that the truth? Yeah, you know. All right, Dean McGrath from Tipperary's Fight for Mental Health. Thank you for joining us this week on the Clonmel Podcast and in this gorgeous mm-hmm. uh, cemetery here at St Mary's. Thank Brilliant. you, Dean. Thank you, Mark. Cheers. Thank you. The Clonmel Podcast. Thank you, Dean. So there we have it. That is the Cornwall Podcast for this Friday, the 3rd of June, episode 88, and for the next two weeks as a moth on my holidays. If you would like to catch up on previous episodes, just go to the website, www.theclonmailpodcast.com, where you'll find every single episode of the Clonmel Podcast. So until two weeks' time, stay safe, look after one another, and I will talk to you then. Bye-bye. This podcast was brought to you by Clonmel Credit Union. We are proud to be local and support local. Our big loan sale continues, so apply today on 1800 945 987. Not a member yet? Join online at www.clonmelcu.com. Hashtag, it's my credit union, is it yours? 
You've been listening to the Clonmel Podcast with Mark Whelan. Produced by West 10 Audio Productions. Your town, your podcast.